Uh, just real quick, I want to clarify, Jacob mentioned that in that summer survival kit, uh, there's a hiking kit with all the gear you need for hiking. I just want to clarify, uh, we're providing a map and trail mix. So <laughs> just didn't want anybody to be like, there's rappelling gear? No, no, no. It, it's just so anybody's like, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> When I was in the eighth grade, I was attending a, a relatively small private high school or private school, uh, still in middle school, and the high school basketball team at the time, um, the, the high school program was still in its early development, uh, which basically means they weren't any good. And uh, at the time, in eighth grade, I was, I was decent at basketball, um, and because the high school team wasn't very good, I could go to their practices or go to their open gyms, and I could, I could hold my own. And so eventually we recognized and we decided that we would petition uh, the WIAA, the Washington Interscholastic Athletic Association, we would petition to get an extra year of eligibility so that I could play as an eighth grader, I could play in high school. Um, and so my father and I, we actually traveled up to Mount Vernon and we presented our case to the, the board of athletic directors for our district and told them what we were trying to do. And, and, and I was so excited. So excited. I had dreamt about playing high school basketball for as long as I could remember. I mean, I was just dying for the opportunity to play high school basketball. And I, and I knew that the team wasn't very good at the time. And I knew that I could help the school and we could start to create a team that would be winning and super excited. Several weeks after we had presented to the athletic board, um, we received a letter from them that it had been denied. And the petition wasn't accepted. And so they said, nah, you can keep playing in eighth grade. I was crushed. It didn't make any sense to me. It seemed completely unfair. I was ready to go, and I was like, you guys are holding me back. I got really mad at every single athletic director that was represented that day and swore that their school would pay. When we play, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> like that became, uh, I became mad at the city of Mount Vernon. Like They had nothing to do with it, but when we would drive through Mount Vernon, I would just like glare at all the people like, you did this to me. I was angry, and I was mad, and I was bitter. And oftentimes in our life, we, we get offended by something or we get hurt by someone. There's something that happens that, that we get wronged in some way. And, and we, we oftentimes have a really good reason to be mad, to be frustrated. And when we get mad and we get frustrated, we tend to hold on to it. But then we begin to recognize that, that we are called to follow the leader. And when you and I decide to follow Jesus, we begin to discover that there's a real challenge for us that we're supposed to follow his lead when we respond to those moments of hurt or when we've been offended. There's an amazing story of Jesus recorded by a guy by the name of Matthew. And we're going to read a statement that Jesus made that, that is sometimes really crazy hard to deal with, especially when we've been hurt especially when we almost feel like we have a right and other people would agree with us that we have a right to be angry. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And we read those verses, and it probably should give us a little bit of panic. When there's nothing inside of us that feels like we have the desire to forgive somebody. Because if it says, it says, if we forgive others, we will be forgiven in the same way. But, but what do we do? How, how is it that we forgive somebody when we have no desire to do it? Well, the great news is, if Jesus calls us to forgive, even when we don't feel like forgiving, even when it seems unforgivable, there must be a way to do it. 
And so during this series, what we're trying to do is really look at how do we follow our leader? How do we look at who Jesus is and and how he lived his life and, and how do we make that a part of who we are? And as a follower of Jesus, it's not just about receiving his love, but it's about learning to extend his love to those around us. He calls us to show his love to others, to everyone that we interact with as we go through life. And so today I want to take a deeper look. How do we respond out of love and forgive? Because as we see our leader, as we see what he does, Jesus literally comes to forgive sinners. And those of us that have decided to follow Jesus, there's, there's this moment where we recognize that Jesus has come to forgive sinners, and we're like, that's a great thing for me. Because we recognize we need to be forgiven for those moments in our life. And when this opportunity is presented to us, it becomes extremely inviting. It draws us in. When we recognize that we get to take all of the the bad actions that we've taken, all of the times that we've lied, all of the moments where we've been selfish, all of the times where we've been rude, all of the times where we put other people down or whatever it would, that Jesus offers to forgive us for all of those. That Jesus offers to remove all of the accountability, all of the ownership, all of the connection to the choices that we made. We look at what Jesus says, I will forgive all of that for you, and we're like, that's an amazing deal, I will take it. But then we come to this verse, and what we begin to understand is that we are forgiven sinners who are called to love by forgiving. And it's tough. Because we hear that we're supposed to forgive because we've been forgiven. And when it comes to the really small stuff, we're like, yeah, okay, I got it. Somebody shows up late to an appointment, we're like, I forgive you. Because I'm forgiven. Somebody doesn't wish you happy birthday on Facebook, you're like, I'm forgiven, I'll forgive you. Oh, you didn't notice my new haircut? You're forgiven because I've been forgiven. And it's, you know, it's good. We We can forgive in that moment. But then we get to the big stuff. Somebody abuses us. Somebody lies to us. Somebody neglects us when they're, when they're responsible for us. Somebody gossips about us. And we think, Jesus, I don't think you know what you're asking. Jesus, I've been really, really hurt. Like, Jesus, this is a, this is a deep one, and it is not easy. And, and Jesus, they don't even deserve to be forgiven. Like, Jesus probably doesn't get it. But then we see this absolutely amazing display of forgiveness. Something greater than we could ever really imagine. And it happened to Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. So let's understand the context a little bit about the cross. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, he is completely innocent. Meaning he has never sinned. He's never committed a crime. He's never done anything wrong. He's nailed to a cross as if he is a criminal. He's hanging there between two criminals, and then here's how the story goes. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Just imagine that moment for a second. Jesus hanging on the cross, and we need to understand what's really going on here. Again, they keep pointing out there's two criminals. There's two criminals pointing out that Jesus is being treated like a criminal. The cross was literally designed to bring excruciating torture and humiliation. In fact, it was expensive 
to pull off a crucifixion so expensive and so detrimental that they reserved it for the worst of the worst. If you were being crucified, they were like, you are worth the investment to torture you. And they really wanted to torture them with the most excruciating pain ever. In fact, if you've ever experienced excruciating pain, if you've been injured, if whatever, if you experienced excruciating pain, that word excruciating actually was grown out of what they were trying to create on the cross. They were trying to develop a pain that was so painful so, that it would be described as excruciating. And as you probably know, the executioner would lay the individual down on the cross and they would take their hands and put it to the side and drive the stake through their hand and then through the other hand and then through their feet and pin them to the cross and then they would raise the cross up. And oftentimes when we watch on television or if we see it uh, you know, depicted in a movie, typically what we see is as they raise the criminal or as they raise Jesus up, they're hanging on that cross and oftentimes they're really high up in the sky. They're like six feet off and everybody's looking up at them and they're way, head, you know, way up high. But oftentimes, rather than putting the criminal way up high, the way we're typically used to seeing it, oftentimes the cross would be just a little bit off the ground. Because the goal was extreme humiliation and torture. And when hanging on the cross, the only way that you can breathe, because as the weight is holding you down and your lungs are being crushed, the only way to breathe is to push up on the nails that are between your feet or push up on, pull up on the nails that are in your arms. And that pain and that pull, and the whole time, because they put you just off the ground, the ground is just a little step away. So you're struggling for every breath, and the ground is right there. And by being low to the ground, when people would come to mock you, I've always thought about it, when you were way up there, how would they, you know, they're yelling, no, no, no. If they were low, they could come and look you right in the eyes. The criminal wasn't elevated, the criminal was right in front of you. And those soldiers, as they would mock them, they could look them eye to eye. Really looking at you like, I could help you, but I'm not going to. And so every moment that Jesus attempted to breathe, he would have to push up just a little bit when he's just a moment away from the ground. And as those people would come and mock, and as they would come and spit on your face, because you were so close, it made it all possible. And all of this is what Jesus is going through. Throwing insults, throwing mockery, spitting in his face. Jesus is going through all of this. One of the, criminal actually, one of the other criminals actually throws at him and says, Hey, why don't you save yourself? I mean, one of the other criminals is now mocking him. And in this unbelievable moment, the creation of God, people, are at their worst, mocking and taking the life of the Creator. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus prays this amazing prayer. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus is asking for forgiveness of those that are sinning against him in the moment that they're doing it. They don't even know that they need to be forgiven. They're just, some of them are just doing their job. And Jesus is basically doing that thing that seems unimaginable by, by forgiving what seems unforgivable. And he chose to forgive. And so when you and I face those moments that feel completely unforgivable, we have to recognize that Jesus knows exactly what we're feeling. And we have to look at our life and recognize that when we experience actions and when we've been treated in ways that seem completely unforgivable, we have to recognize that Jesus demonstrated that he knows exactly what it's like in that situation. 
And if you and I are going to take on the goal of following our leader, it begins and happens when we recognize that we have to learn how to forgive like Jesus. We have to learn how to forgive like Jesus even when we don't really like the other person very much. Even when they've hurt us. Even when life plays out and we've been hurt. And some of us, we're still carrying some pretty significant wounds. Maybe somebody abused you. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody lied to you. Somebody cheated you out of something. Maybe somebody hurt somebody that you love. Maybe somebody took advantage of somebody that you care about. Hurt your child. Hurt your sister. Hurt your brother. And the real trick is really figuring out how do we learn to forgive just like Jesus does. Even when that individual hurt us, even when we might feel like we, I'm going to use a word we shouldn't use in church, hate them. When, when we think about that individual and it just, it just, we, are, we just begin to boil inside and our blood just begins and we just, and we think about them and we think about the offense and when we gravitate towards that idea and the more we think about it, we just find ourselves, we don't want to hate them, but we find ourselves hating them because we, we're wanting bad stuff to happen in their life and we want them to suffer and we want them to pay. And we feel guilty about how we feel, and we know we're not supposed to hate him, but when we think about it, we just gravitate towards that. And, and, and maybe it was even a Christian that, that didn't act very Christ-like. Maybe you were part of a church, and, and the church made a decision or did something, and you were devastated by it. Maybe they knew they did it, maybe they didn't know they did it. Somebody lied about you, gossiped about you. Maybe you had a boss that didn't appreciate your, the way you worked, the way that you, that you committed yourself to the company, and they didn't appreciate you enough, and you ended up losing your job. It felt totally unfair, completely unjustified. Maybe your mom or your dad, they weren't there the way they should have been for you. Something crazy, unfortunate happened. And the real tragedy is that sometimes that individual that hurt us, they're no longer even alive, and yet we still carry the weight and the bitterness, and they're not even around anymore. And yet it continues to hold us back and weigh us down. Sometimes it's not even a really big thing. Sometimes it's, it's just a particular individual, and they, they just seem to always say that thing. They just jab at that thing, and just everything that you do and everything that you say is never enough and they just seem to always knock you down and they always tear you down and you can never live up to their expectations. Continually frustrated and hurt, hurt by what they say. And when all of those things are in play, we have to come back to this idea of Jesus as our leader and following his example and learning to love like him even when the person doesn't deserve it. Even when the other person doesn't want it. Even when the other person hasn't asked for it. And it isn't easy. And it will take a process. But we have to remember that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven. And because we are forgiven, he calls us then to forgive. So let me give you two thoughts. These are two thoughts that are going to be simple in idea and really complex to live them out. But I think these will help us follow our leader and develop the ability to forgive like Jesus. The first thought is this, is to begin to pray for them. It's exactly what Jesus just did. As he's hanging on the cross, what Jesus taught us to do is to pray for the individual that has offended us. 
he asked his father, he's like, God, God would, you, would you forgive them? They don't even know what they're doing, but would you forgive them? In fact, earlier in Jesus' life, he described the same idea. Even before he was on the cross, he was talking about this idea about forgiving those and caring about those and praying for those that have hurt you. In the book of Luke, Jesus said this. He said, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. I mean, you've got to imagine in this moment when Jesus was saying this, he was knowing that what was about to come. Because on the cross, he was certainly cursed. He was certainly hurt. And he was giving guidance. He was pointing to the idea of praying for them. And I know that our temptation is that when God says, pray for those of you that have hurt us, we're like, yeah, I'll pray for them. Dear God, they've hurt me. Would you, would you please give them toe fungus? Or, or, or God, would you please make them miserable? God, do you know how they hurt me? Would you, would you just maybe cause their lips to seal shut and move the eyes to the side of their head? But the problem is, Jesus didn't just say, pray for them any way you want to pray. He prayed that it would be a blessing. And when the people very first heard this, when Jesus was making these statements about, about blessing those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you, the people that would have heard this, they would have all been like, uh-huh. Wait, what? I mean, the people that were hearing Jesus talk about this, they had been trained their entire lives, love those who love you, hate those that are unkind to you. And now all of a sudden Jesus is saying, and we're going to read in a second, where Jesus is like, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. And the crowd would have gone silent. People would have been like, I think he got that backwards. Let's see if he says it again, because that was not right. If there was anybody in the crowd that, that was Roman or that, that was following what was going on in, in the Roman Empire at that time, they would have recognized that the Romans worshipped the God of revenge. They had a God of revenge! And now Jesus is like, no, no play, pray for those that hurt you. Bless those that have persecuted you. The Jewish audience, they had always been taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Somebody, somebody wrongs you, you wrong them back. Somebody takes something from you, you take something back. They break your bone, you break their bone. They take your parking spot, then you cut in line inside the store. You, just, you know, this for that. And if you've been around church for a while, we're like, yeah, 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 love your enemies. And then someone hurts you, and now it gets really tough. And my hope is that what we can begin to see is that even when we've been devastated, even when somebody's lied to us, even when somebody's let us down, the very first place for you and I to start, the very first thing for you and I to do to move towards the ability to forgive is to begin to pray for them. And to begin to pray that God would help great things happen in their lives. And the great news is, we don't even have to actually want to do this initially. We can just be obedient and start. It may be the very last thing you desire to do. But the reality is that if you and I will begin to take those right actions, it will begin to generate a right attitude. You cannot pray for something good to happen in somebody's life for very long before you actually start to care about them. And so you might say, Jesus, I have no desire to pray for good things to happen in their life. They've hurt me. I'm bitter. I have no ability to develop that right attitude. But as we begin to pray, God, would you bless their life? God, would you bless their life? God, I don't want you to bless their life, but would you bless their life? 
And as you're taking that right action, and as you're taking that right action, over and over again, it will begin to generate the right attitude. And as that right attitude begins to develop and begins to grow, we'll find ourselves having the ability to forgive that individual who has significantly wronged us. Because if we just wait for the feeling, if we just wait to feel like we want to forgive them, and we don't begin to take those right actions, and we just wait, and we just, we'll be waiting till the cows come home. And if you're like me, I, I don't even own cows. So we'll be waiting a long, long time. So it starts by taking that action, praying. God, I don't want to pray for them, but God, would you do something good in their life? And we take that right action, and we take that right action, and eventually it leads to that right attitude. And it begins to develop within us the ability to forgive. And when we begin forgiving, even when it seems unforgivable, we're now loving like Jesus. We're now able to follow our leader. We're growing in that ability to forgive, even when we don't feel like it. Jesus was pretty clear. Jesus went on, I mentioned this earlier, he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those that persecute you. Develop that right attitude. And then the next thought that you and I can begin to gravitate towards is to stop expecting them to pay. Just forgive. Stop accept, expecting them to pay for the wrong that they did and just forgive. Because the call is for you and I to forgive in the same way that God has forgiven us. And the way that God has forgiven us is that he didn't require us to pay. God did not expect you and I to pay the price. We did not have to pay for our wrongs. His forgiveness is complete and he doesn't keep bringing it back up. He doesn't keep coming back to us and say, yeah, remember that one time? He's like, no, I forgave you for that. He never comes back and like, you did this once before. Listen to what was written to the early churches. Paul wrote this. He said, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but, but God's forgiven me of a lot. And maybe you don't want to hear the pastor acknowledge that, but I, but I can't speak for you. I don't know what you've done in your life. I don't know what lies you've told. I don't know what people you've hurt. I don't know how you've disobeyed. I don't know what sin is in your life. But I'll tell you, for me, I've been forgiven for a It's like four things I can think of. Actually, now that I said that, there's five. <laughs> it just lied. We have been forgiven for so much. And if we'll just reflect for a moment on all that God has forgiven us for, our ability to forgive others will grow. Because if we've been forgiven for a lot, we're called to forgive freely. And here's what happens. When you and I begin to follow the leader, we begin to choose to forgive God begins to grow something in our life. But when we choose not to forgive, when we choose to hold on to it, it just holds us back. Think about this. Maybe you have a family member that's wronged you. A family member that you see at family gatherings, and they have wronged you. And if you talk to anybody about it, and you shared what they did, everybody would agree, yeah, they wronged you, and you are justified, and you have every reason to be mad, and there's no debate. And then you decide, you just choose, you know what, I'm going to walk through life, and I'm just going to be always bitter towards that person. And anytime I see them, I'm going to give them the old sideways glare. They're going to know. And at Christmas time, when everybody's around, I'm going to choose to be miserable so that everybody knows I'm really, really mad at that person. 
and I'm going to ruin Christmas for myself and be so miserable that everybody will know. And the whole time I'm going to be consumed by it, and they're going to know, and they're going to want to apologize, but I'm not going to accept their apology. I'm going to keep them in misery. I'm going to make everybody miserable. I, I want somebody to do the same thing to them. And every time we think about that individual, we just get really, really mad. And at three in the morning, we ruin our sleep, and we wake up, and we get really, really mad. And we choose to be bitter, and, and we actually said it, we're going to be the most bitter person around. I'm going to be the best bitter person I can be. And we allow ourselves to be filled with hateful thoughts and not forgiving and not moving on. And if you're like me, maybe you even start dreaming that they would face your worst fears. That they would have like a hundred cats attack them at one time. And they wouldn't actually claw and scratch you. They would just, they would just do that purring, licking thing and do that deal where they rub their head against your leg. And you're like, stop it. It just goes on and on. Like, that's what we're expecting. When we want to hold it against them, we're just expecting them to pay. And what God says is, just forgive and move on. There's this ama- amazing quote by this gal named Anne Lamont. Anne Lamont said this. She said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then hoping the other person dies. Like, that's ridiculous. We, no, none of us would ever try that. We would never be like, we would never be like, drop but that's exactly what happens when we choose to continue to expect somebody to pay. We've decided that our game, we have to decide that going forward, our game plan is to be, begin to figure out how do I say, I'm going to let that go. And stop hoping for bad things to happen for the other individual. Because ultimately, as we continue to hold on to that, we're just damaging ourselves. And if we don't want to live there, if we don't want that to continue to be what we're about, we have to start by the idea of praying. Praying for them. Praying that God would would bring the best into their life, however God feels that needs to happen. God, would you bless their life? God, would you bring something good into their life? And then we have to expect them to stop paying or not expect them to pay for it. And what we really need to do at that point is we probably just need to sit down, pray that God would work in their life, pray that God would bring the best in their life, and then we need to sit down and listen to the Frozen soundtrack and just let it go. And just let it go. And even if you hate that song, sing it along and just let it go. And then tomorrow, when you start to hold on to that pain again, sit down and listen to the song again and then let it go. And honestly, if you listen to that song enough, it will motivate you to let it go so you don't have to listen to it anymore. But let it go and stop holding on to that pain and stop holding on to that misery that's holding you back, that's preventing you from being able to move forward, and let it go. Even when you don't feel like it, let it go. Because it's simply creating pain in your life. It's not helping them, and it's not helping you, and it's just preventing you from moving forward. So here's the last thought, the thing I want you to take home with you this morning, is that forgiving someone else won't change the past, but it will change your future. We all know that there's nothing we can do to go back and change something that's already happened. We can't go back and fix anything. And oftentimes we try to cover up the past, we try, to, we try to use different tricks, whether it's chemicals or alcohol, and we, try to create, but we just end up creating new issues for ourselves. We try to cover it up, or we try and work really hard, or we try to entertain ourselves, or we, we try to buy more things, all in an attempt to just cover up the pain. But when we slow down enough, in those quiet moments, 
if we haven't really prayed and let it go, those memories come flooding back and just crush us again. And so the goal when we begin to forgive, it's not about changing the past. It's not about going back and making everything right. But it's about releasing ourselves to be able to move forward and move past the hurts and move past the disappointments. Because until we move past those hurts and past those disappointments, it will always limit our future. And so there's that individual that you need to forgive. Maybe there's an organization that you need to forgive. Maybe it's God. Not that God has done anything wrong, but you're holding something against God because he either allowed something to happen or he didn't let something happen. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's some circumstance. Set your future free by choosing to forgive something or someone. Allow yourself to experience all that God has planned for you. And it's only possible when we release ourselves from the past and stop expecting somebody to pay for their wrong and begin to pray that God would bless their life and allows us to begin living into our future. And really one of the great hurdles to forgiving is to have been forgiven. And Jesus calls us to forgive in the same way that we've been forgiven. But if you've never actually accepted that forgiveness for yourself, you're going to be limited in what you can pass on. And to be forgiven simply means that you recognize that you need forgiveness, that you recognize there's been sin in your life, that there's choices that you've made, that there's decisions that you've chosen to take, times where you've broken relationship with other people, broken relationship with God, and that's sin in your life. Maybe you lied to someone, you were rude to someone, you caused pain for somebody else, you took something that didn't belong to you. All of that is sin, and the only way to pay for sin is death, and yet Jesus came and he died on the cross for you. And he died on the cross for me. And when he died on the cross for us, he took all of our sin in our lives and he accepted it on himself. He paid the price by dying in our place. And when we believe that he did that, he did that so that we could be forgiven. And in that moment, when we accept that for ourselves, it's like, am I out of time? You're like, I guess we just no longer live. But when we accept that for ourselves, every sin is wiped clean as if it never happened. We are completely free. We are no longer tied to that. The connection to those choices is no longer there. God no longer holds anything against us. We're no longer responsible for any of those choices. Jesus took on all of the responsibility. And if you've never accepted that, today could be the moment that you choose that. Today could be the day where you choose to be forgiven. Where you decide that, that Jesus paid the price for you. And out of a recognition of what he did, you choose to accept that forgiveness. And then you begin to live your life in such a way that honors Jesus and reflects all that he cares about. And this morning, if you've never done that, if you've never accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers, I'm going to pray in just a second. And I would just encourage you to repeat after me. And if you're here this morning or if you're watching online this morning and you just recognize there's some things in your life that you just need to bring before God and say, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross to forgive me of this. I just want to acknowledge that I know that I've made some wrong choices and I accept your forgiveness again. But if you've never done that, would you pray with me? And as we pray, you can just pray in your heart and repeat these things to God. Let's pray. Jesus, I recognize the sin in my life. I recognize the times that I've made choices. 
that didn't line up with what you call us to do. God, that I've broken relationship with you or with other people. So Jesus, this morning, I, I accept your forgiveness that was made possible because you died on the cross in my place. Jesus, would you help us to search our hearts and search our minds, reflect on those moments that, that we've, we've violated relationship and that we need forgiveness. Jesus, would you help us to accept that forgiveness and then live in the freedom that comes, that we're no longer tied to the decisions that we've made and the choices of our past. And in the same way, would you help us to embrace that so much that we're able to forgive in those moments that feel unforgivable when people have wronged us. Jesus, we love you so much and we're so appreciative of what you did on the cross and the price that you paid for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you made that decision and that's the first time that you've ever prayed that, or, or maybe you're praying it again sort of for the first time. If you're watching online, there's going to pop something up in the screen where you can just select that, that you're choosing to follow Jesus and put your name and your email in there. And I just want to start a conversation with you about what that means. But every week we want to provide some practical next steps for you. So there's some, there's some options for you to take, some things that you can do for yourself that God can guide you through and help you through, that we can be praying for you as God is working in your life. But as you think about this idea of following the leader and forgiving in the same way that Jesus did, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is just to take some time to consider all of the things for which you have been forgiven by God. Maybe your next step is to acknowledge who or what it is that has wronged you and then start praying for God to bless their life. And then stop waiting for them to pay the price to make it better. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you to make that next step. Begin that process. Begin to move past the pain that you're carrying by choosing to forgive those that have hurt you or damaged you in some way. Band's going to come in here in just a second. Go ahead, guys. I already prayed. Come on out. As we play this last song and we encourage you to worship with us and join us, I just want to say thank you so much to those of you that are consistent in the way that you give and contribute to Silver Creek, allowing us to do so many things in our community and around the world. So thank you for that. We've got some things that we're working on that we're excited to tell you about. Even in the middle of all of the, the shutdowns and things that are happening, we're still trying to reach into our community. And we've got some things that we'll be talking to you about over the next couple of weeks and months. So if you'll stand, we have one last song, and then you'll start the rest of your day. <laughs>